0: This is a sermon from November 29th, 2009, from the Glass Bible Fellowship. Pastor Nelson Stempt is speaking on loving God's way. If you could turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to start the, the last little bit of chapter 12. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails.
1: Well, we're doing the love chapter today. Um, You've heard this before, have you not? You've probably been quoted at more weddings or Valentine banquets than, uh, or greeting cards than you care to remember. Um, it's one of those passages of scripture that we've heard so much that maybe we don't really hear it. Uh, we don't hear it in context. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can see it as kind of a sentimental thing by uh, two ways. Either we see it as very sentimental, I guess, and yes, we agree with all of those things, but uh, we don't really live them. Or we become quite discouraged because we look at the way Paul describes love, especially in verses 4 through 7, and we say, well, that's nice, but there's no way that I can love anybody like that. To love well is one of the biggest challenges in life. And uh, I just encourage you, think back over over your last week. Did you love the people around you well? Or did you have an experience in which you were loved well? What was that like for you? The greatest commands we have uh, in Scripture aren't about obedience, really. They're more about love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one, Jesus said, is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. And yet we don't love very well. So sometimes I think we feel like, well, let's just try to love the best we can. And we feel inadequate and our best efforts fall quite short. I know I've been thinking about this and I feel like, you know, I don't love people very well. What's the problem? And God has been teaching me from this passage and others about love and loving people his way. The love described here is available to each one of us. We can receive it and we can give it. The question is, where does it come from? How do we access it? I'm going to be uh, borrowing from Colin McDougall a little bit on the teaching he does in his discipleship models on love. My hope this morning, though, is that sometimes when we go through this chapter, you might get discouraged and think, well, I just can't do this. And I hope that you're not discouraged this morning, that you don't love well enough. Rather, my prayer is that you would be encouraged, that I can give and I can receive this kind of love. Because it is the love of God, the Father. And it's his intent that you have it, receive it, and give it out. So can we just bow for a moment to pray and that the Spirit would be teaching us today. Father, grateful for this passage in the, that you inspired Paul to write to the church in Corinth. The church that struggled also with loving well, with receiving love and giving it. And they were all confused. And we get confused about it as well. So Father, I pray you give us some clarity today as to how... To receive this love and how to give it to others. May your spirit be the teacher. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It might be helpful to see 1 Corinthians 13, this uh, passage which we often quote out of context, to see it in context, its setting. Um, and Manny began at 1231, which was good, because chapter 12, the passage just before our passage on love, Paul was talking about spiritual gifts. And how they are to be used in the church. Now, this particular church, Corinth, had all kinds of gifts, and uh, that was part of their challenge from serving others to even some of the more miraculous, uh, charismatic kind of gifts. They also had many gifted teachers and prophets in the congregation. And Paul says in verse 7 of chapter 12 that these gifts, these abilities, these supernatural abilities to serve the body were given for the common good. It's like uh, pieces of a puzzle. And our our pieces are meant to fit together so that when we use our gifts, it builds up others and helps them to feel loved. To form a whole functioning unit. And the idea is that people need each other. You have a gift, I have a gift, and we both need each other's gifts to work together. But the opposite seemed to be happening uh, in this church And you know how it is. Humans tend to rate each other based on our abilities and our giftings. And it seemed like some people had the attitude within the church, because I have this particular gift, which was maybe more charismatic or maybe more of a public kind of a gift, because I have this gift, I am maybe better than you. I may be more spiritual than you. And it seemed like this was especially happening with the gifts of tongues and prophecy and faith. And what was meant to unite these people together in a more loving way was actually dividing them. They had all the skills and the gifts, but somehow the church lacked warmth, and it had gone out of the church. And so Paul says, you're using your gifts, but you're missing the point of the gifts. So in verse uh, 31, he says, I want to show you, I want to correct this, I want to show you the more excellent way, or the most excellent way. So what was missing? Well, Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 13, he says, I can have the gifts of tongues, I can be able to speak in either earthly languages that are unintelligible or I can even have the ability to speak in a heavenly language that no one can interpret unless that gift of interpretation has been given. He says, I can have, in verse 2, I can have a gift of prophecy and be able to explain spiritual things to you, things that, that you cannot understand and teach them to you. He says, I can even have faith in God enough to move a mountain and to trust God to do miraculous things. He says in verse 3, I can even have the gift of being generous and give all of my possessions to, to feed the poor. He says, I can even go as far as giving my body up as a martyr to die for my faith. And think about that. Would we do that? Aren't these all good things? serving the church and God's people, shouldn't they add up to something? Paul says in each one of those cases, the the, the faith, the miracles, the teaching, the, the gifts of knowledge, if I use these gifts and I serve people without exercising them with love, it amounts to nothing. I am nothing. I gain nothing. So what does this mean? I think it means that we can actually work for God for years in the church and in our communities, in our families, serving him and others we can give money we can serve on committees we can pray for people and sacrifice and paul says you know at the very end of things if it's done without love it can really add up to very little it's empty what's the problem here i think the problem is that many of us work for god to get points because we don't feel worthy of his love And we try to love others in order to earn his affection or his approval. And we struggle because we love, we serve in a church. We might teach Sunday school or give or do whatever, pray, because people don't appreciate us. We love them or we're trying to, but it's not fulfilling for us. And this can happen in churches. And people don't get loved along the way, which is God's intent. The problem, I guess, is that we are trying to serve or work for God and are using our own resources and we're not loving people God's way. So Colin says, if we have trouble, and if you've had trouble, and we've all had this where you've loved somebody, you've tried to serve them, you've tried to do something good for them and it's kind of blown up or, or, it, or they weren't, they didn't appreciate it or it didn't come back or it didn't turn out the way you thought. We've had that trouble and then we go, well, What's going on here? The trouble, I think, reflects our relationship with God. Because the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Receive love from him and then serve others. And if we're trying to just serve others out of our own strength, it's not going to work. We're going to get discouraged. We cannot love others consistently in our own strength. Because when they don't love us back, you know, we might try a couple times. There's a break in the relationship. So Paul says in 12.31, he says, I want to show you a more excellent way of using your gifts. The excellent way is to give and receive God's love, to be sourced in him. This love in the original is called agape love. Now, different words for love. You've probably heard this before. There's eros, which from which we get the word erotic. That's the physical, sensual kind of love. And then there is something that I think we often try to serve one another with, which is called phileo from which we get, you know, like Philadelphia, brotherly love or friendship. But for for phileo to work, there has to be reciprocation, right? If I'm going to be, if we're going to be friends, I have to, I'll give something to you, I'll serve you, I'll ask you out for coffee, but then after a while, I would hope that you would have me out for coffee. Or if I loaned you a tool, I would hope that you would loan me a tool, or at least, you know, I would get the tool back at the end (laughs) of the week. Okay, That's, that's phileo, okay? Um, And that's not a bad thing. Eros is not a bad thing. It's a gift of God. Phileo uh, phileo is not a bad thing. But these are human-sourced kind of love. These are sources from within ourselves, okay? Agape, however, which is the word used in this entire chapter, is a deep devotion to another person for their own sake, uh, whether you get anything back or not, okay it's love that doesn't need to get loved back and the source of this love so that's one difference you don't have to be loved back the second is the source it comes from god himself it cannot be generated by a human being i can't love you with agape love on my own i have to be sourced for that John writes about this in 1 John 4, verses 7 through 11. And he says, like, what happens here? What's the order of things? He says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love, agape, comes from God. It's sourced in him. And then in verse 10, he says, this is love. Not that we decided we're going to love God and do all this stuff for people. But that he loved us first. See, God is always previous. God loves us first. He says he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So agape love is something which you receive from God and then it flows through you to others. Agape is love that gives, love that expects nothing in return, love that acts in the other's best interest. Agape love needs no thanks or appreciation, although it would be nice, I guess. You know, we're not going to say it wouldn't be nice if you weren't thanked. Agape love is love that has no strings attached. I'm not loving you so that you will do something nice back for me. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you only love those who love you, or if you only greet your neighbor, you know, those who greet you back, your friends, what good is that? He said, we need to learn a more excellent way. Agape love is sourced in God. And so your ability to love others with this kind of love is directly proportional to the... The quality, I guess, the state of your relationship, your love relationship with God, your Father. So here, it kind of un- unroots something here, or exposes something. If I'm having trouble loving my family, my wife, my children, or the people around me, the problem is maybe not so much that I don't know how to love them. The problem is what is going on with my relationship with God, the Father. Because agape love only comes from him. It is a fruit of the spirit. It is what God produces in our lives as we receive it and let it flow. But many, you know, let's be honest. Many of us struggle with our relationship with God. Our love relationship. And for years I've struggled. And and I still at times I think, yes, God loves the whole world. And Jesus died for the whole world. But did he die for me? Did he die for you? Would he have died for you if you're the only person? We have trouble individualizing that love. And so we feel we're not worthy. And so we just feel like, well, i got to do the best I can and try to love others. But there's a a, a vacuum there. There's a a gap there in our love relationship with the Father. God seems far away. And it seems like, for many of us, God has got his arms folded and saying, okay, now you love each other (laughs) like a parent, right? Treat each other nice or else. So what I'd like to do, just for a minute or two, is look at the description of love in verses 4 through 7 a little bit differently than maybe um, we have in the past. I think in the past, we've looked at the, we've looked at the description here of, of what love is or the, the kinds of things it involves as these are things that you should do, right? These are character qualities. These are ways in which you should love other people. But I'd like you to look at it this morning uh, this way. Look at verses four through seven as a description of God's agape love for you, because God is always first. He loves us, then we love others. Okay, so let's look at verses four through seven as God's love letter to you, because we must receive this first. Let this wash over your soul a little bit. I, I hope it does. I pray it well. So, first thing he says is agape love, God's love for you. First of all, is patient. Uh, the word there is he has a, a long fuse. <laughs> God is very patient. He is uh, long-suffering. God is that way with you. Sometimes we feel like God's tapping his foot, right? Why don't you guys get this straight? Why don't you smarten up? But the, but the scripture describes God as being patient, as having a long fuse. Agape love is kind. Okay, when you think of the Lord, do you think of him as being kind towards you? He's not out to harm you, but to help you. God understands your weakness. Scripture says, the psalmist says, he remembers you are dust. And that you are weak. He is kind towards you. God is not envious or proud. God's love is not envious or proud. in his dealings with you. Jesus said, come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I am a gentle person. And we come to God maybe expecting harsh words or condemnation or impatience, and instead we find a God who is kind and gentle in heart, who understands our weakness. Can you see that when you begin experiencing this kind of love, it becomes a little bit easier to love those around us? I hope so. Look at verse five God's love, agape love, is not rude towards you. God doesn't look at you and go, Oh, what a loser. You know He's not rude. It's not, he's not self-seeking. Agape love is not easily angered. There's that patience thing again. And how many of us still believe that God is angry with us because we do not measure up to his holy standards? Agape love is not angry with you. God's wrath has been dealt with on the cross. At God's agape love, Paul goes on to say... Keeps no record of wrongs. So that when we mess up, God doesn't pull out the list of the 150 times that we did that before. We are forgiven. Ephesians 1 says, in Christ we have forgiveness of sins. They are completely gone. God does not bring them up with respect to accusing you. And saying, look at how many times you did this. He doesn't hold them against you. Every time is the first time when the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Verse six, a further description of Agape love. Love does not God's love does not rejoice in evil, but rejoices with the truth. In other words, when you are struggling in your life with some particular temptation or trial, God does not take pleasure in watching you struggle or hold his hands back and wait for you, or say, or when you do fail, say, He does not say, I thought so. I figured you would. He is grieved. He wants to come alongside you and pick you up. He brings truth to you and he rejoices when you receive that truth. And then the last uh, characteristic of love is its its long-lasting character. Verse 7. God's love towards you always protects you. God's love towards you always trusts you. See, that's grace. Do you realize that God trusts you? Um, He trusts you with his gospel. He trusts you with his spirit and his word. He trusts you with the life that he has given to you. God trusts you. God always trusts. God always hopes. He is hopeful of a good future for you. God is not hopeless towards you. God has not given up on you. And God always perseveres. And then Paul says in verse 8, love, God's love never fails. Agape love is forever. It is a covenantal kind of love. When God makes a covenant with you, he does not break covenant. He's always pursuing you in this love relationship. I hope that this encourages you. This is the kind of love that God invites you to receive As you read this list, rather than an impossible standard or a sentimental list or an impossible standard that none of us can achieve, agape love is something to receive and something that can be reproduced within you by his Holy Spirit. You have all the agape love that you need right now, today, and more. God's love towards you is unconditional. There are no strings attached. God is committed to your good forever. So I guess the question we have today is, when we struggle with loving others, we might say, what is blocking my understanding of God's love for me? I've been thinking about this a lot, because I have some blocks, like you do. There's blocks that say, I'm not worthy. And God says, well, while you were yet a sinner, I, I died for you. There's no blockage there. You are worth a son to God. In Romans 5.5... 5, you know, or sometimes we might pray, well, God, give me your love. I want to feel it. We already have it. Romans 5.5 5 says, God has already poured out his love into our hearts through his Holy Spirit, who he has given to you, the agape love. So I'd encourage you to think, if you're having trouble loving with others, think about your relationship with the Lord. What is the blockage there? Is it your understanding of him? Are you trying to love others with your strength and not his strength? The encouraging thing is, is that it's here for you today to receive and to let it flow. And I encourage you to think, go take some time this week. Read verses four through seven as God's agape love for you. And then see if it cannot begin flowing out more freely to others. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a discipling kind of God. Jesus, you made disciples, and so you did you would demonstrate something first. And then invite your disciples to follow in afterward. And Jesus said, you said, I have loved you, um, my disciples, and now go love one another. And Jesus, you have loved us. And Father, you have poured out this agape love. We thank you for this description in 1 Corinthians 13. And yet we have blockages to understanding and receiving it. Some of us are looking for feelings, and the feelings aren't there. Some of us feel we are not worthy, and yet you tell us in your word we are worthy. We are worth a son to you. And I pray, Father, that whatever the blockages are, we could begin looking at what they are and perhaps with a friend or by the, by the um, uh, revealing power of your Spirit to remove those blockages so that your agape love can flow, uh, we can receive it and let it seep in and flow through us like Colin says, like sap through a tree and flow out to others uh, for your sake because this is the most excellent way. We pray this in Christ's name and we all say it. Amen.